This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Dips inside and hits. Oh, what a, what a goal! Right, that is from Ross Wallace. Chris Waddle, is he going to have a crack? Oh, he does, he's good! Anything Paul Gascoigne can do, Chris Waddle can do. One by Stephen Fletcher back towards Adam Rich! You're listening to the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. This is the Oppo's View, the show where we get the lowdown on our upcoming opponents. It's the playoff semi-final this weekend and it's Sunderland that stands in our way of reaching Wembley. And with me to tell us all about them is Graham from the What The Folk podcast. Graham, mate, how are you? All right? Um, probably about the same feeling as you are, mate. So I think I'm all right, but I can't confirm. <laughs> yeah, of course. Now, obviously, before we get going... Um, Sunderland against Wednesday. It's a shame that this in the final, in it to be fair. I mean, at risk of Erkin fans of MK Donson Wickham, which I think I'm all right with. Um, yeah, it, I think everyone, probably from the money men downwards, if you want to say, would probably prefer this to be a final. It's kind of sad in a sense that because obviously we had the checker trade final a few years ago and it was us and Pompey and there was 90,000 there. And I mean, the checker trade trophy is the checker trade trophy. I think Chef Wed Sunderland at, um, at Wembley would have been jam-packed you would have been kind of paying big money for tickets for people who couldn't get them it's, it's a bit of a shame but we'll, we'll make do with two a packed out hills and a packed out stadium light i think it's better than nothing isn't it? yeah it should be uh, certainly be a good one uh, let's get straight into it then uh, let's talk about the manager first and foremost obviously lee johnson was the manager last time that we met back in what the uh, end of december obviously we'll talk about that five nil drubbing that you gave us a little bit later on uh, but obviously now he's gone um obviously 30th of January to be exact, and he's been replaced with Alex Neal, obviously the former Preston boss. Firstly, was it the right decision to get rid of Johnson? And secondly, are you happy with what Alex Neal's done so far? Solely given my opinion, because um, some of the fan base will probably disagree, absolutely. Um, I don't know the man, so it's kind of a harsh thing to say, because I bet he's probably a really nice person, um, but I couldn't stand him as manager of Sunderland. <laughs> I just couldn't get away with his chat. I couldn't get away with... Um, for me, I felt like Lee Johnson would give you the far end of Farton and which way of blue, which is a very popular northeast saying. Alex Neal gives you 
it was just a fart. Um, and I <laughs> yeah. kind of prefer that. Um, for for me, when we were good, i.e. Chef went at home, which we will come on to, um, under Johnson, we were really good, like really attractive to watch, really good, really good team when we were on form. When we weren't, you got what was Chef went away, um, the 3-0, which we'll probably touch on as well, which is you've kind of seen the best and the worst of something under E. Johnson. Under Alex Neal, it's um I can't say it's exciting, it's really not, but it's it's pragmatic. We're not conceding goals. Um, and I just if there's such a thing as preferring a manager's personality, which is kind of a harsh thing to say because I don't know either of them, I probably never will. Um, and it's probably a good thing that I never get to know either of them. But for me, and maybe it's down to the fact I live in Glasgow, um, Alex Neal has a Scottish personality, it's it's no bullshit, it's straightforward. He gives you the answers he wants to get. I think it was after the the Fleetwood game, we won three one. He would score two late goals, but we were awful for like eighty minutes. Um, and he basically came out and said as such. I think after the Shrewsbury game when we scored in the ninety third minute, um, he said he was too angry to celebrate because of how how we'd sort of played twenty minutes prior. Um, and and I think I can just identify with that. I mean, I can't speak about before nineteen eighty six, the year I was born, but Sunderland managers very much for me come successful ones come with a personality, um, like Alex Neal's, i.e. Sam Allardyce, Peter Reed, um, Roy Keane, all men who did relatively well. Mick McCarthy I'll throw in there as well. He he got us promoted as well. All men who don't mince their words say it as it is and are very, very honest. Um, and ultimately, good football managers when they were at Sunderland and understood the football club. I think Alex Neal gets that. Uh, I think it's unfair to say that Lee Johnson didn't understand what it was to be at Sunderland. I think he did. But his personality and the way he spoke about the game just rubbed me up the wrong way. I'm, I'm really not into some of the things he came out with, like horse whisperer number 10. What does that mean? Um <laughs> He wanted our players to play like sharks on a Monday morning or whatever. And I just, for me, maybe I'm just too long in a tooth, James, but not for me. Yeah, it can be a bit more, Mike, can't it? I mean, let, let's touch on the style of play and, and formation for a moment. You know, like normally talk about this a little bit later, but since you've had a new manager, I mean, has that changed under Alex Neal or is it largely the same as before? It looks like he likes to play a, a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-1-2 with a number 10, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, am I right in saying that? Yeah, he's, he's kind of alternated a little bit, but he's sort of settled on this back three, which, to be fair, I think even under Johnson, we were better with a back three. If you if you look at any games that we've got Wallop this season, um, Sheffield away, uh, Portsmouth away, Bolton 6-0. God, I can't believe I have to remember that. Um, we all played with four at the back and it didn't really work. And I think Alex Neal's gone with four at the back occasionally, but he's very, very quick to change it when it doesn't work. Um, and I think he's realised that the back three with the personnel that he has at the moment, obviously not really been able to bring in any of his own players because he came in after the deadline day. I think he realises that we're better suited to a, a back three. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's one of those back threes where, you know, the right centre-back and the left centre-back push on and become like left and right backs and then you've, your wingers, you we wing backs turn into wingers, and you would feel, and, and you know how it all like alternates. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much three at the back with wingers. It's rig- quite rigid, yeah. Yeah, I think he wants to make sure we were tight at the back. And to be fair to him, um, we were conceding so many goals under Lee Johnson. And I think if you looked at the amount of goals we conceded and our goal difference at the time that he left, yes, we were third, but our goal difference was horrendous. He's fixed it. Um, 
he scored we scored five against Cambridge. We've we've got a couple of two-nil wins here and there, but ultimately we don't really concede that many, which is massively in contrast to to Lee Johnson when we kind of conceded at least one a game, even when we were playing really, really well. So formation-wise, I think I'd be really surprised if he changes from the back three. Um it's kind of round pegs and square holes, or square pegs and round holes, whichever you prefer. Um because he may he, he really doesn't have a, a right an official right wing back, an official left wing back. And he's had Carl Winchester shoved into the, the back three and Carl Winchester signed as a midfielder. But everyone's kind of competent. Uh, they kind of do a job. He, he had Lugo Nine at left centre-back on um, Saturday against uh, Morecambe. And it's there's players that are not in the right positions and you can kind of tell, but I think he's pretty much said, look, this is your job. This is what you do. This is what I want you to do. And it's kept us steady. Um, we've kept loads of clean sheets since he's came in. And if you don't concede, you don't lose. And ultimately, if we don't lose the next three games, we'll get promoted. So, Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you've touched on form there. I mean, you are in excellent form at the moment, as are, well, all the teams that are in, in the playoffs at the moment. Um, top of the form, t- t- like form table for the last 10. You're unbeaten in 13, which is eight wins and five draws. Um, obviously, you and Sunderland fans alike must be in a in a confident mood. In a really weird way, I think, because this is the third time we've been in the playoffs. Um, the first time we went in in poor form and then we kind of got to Wembley and then Charlton happened. But Sunderland Charlton at Wembley, that always happens. Should have seen that one coming. Um, whereas last year, again, we went in in poor form and, and we got beat off Lincoln. Um, poor first leg, kind of put pay to that. This one, yeah, top of the form table, 13 unbeaten, but it's really pragmatic. I, I can't, there's been spades of games where we've played really well, like Cambridge, we were very good. Um, but I don't know if we've quite hit the heights of the performances that we put under Lee Johnson when we were good, but I feel a lot less likely that we'll lose games. Like I feel I would worry if it was Johnson that we could potentially beat his 5-0, but then lose 5-0 at Hillsborough. Um, I feel like under Alex Neal, if we get a result and a good result, say a 2-0, a, a 3-1 or something like that at home, I trust us to finish the job at Hillsborough because um, I think he will, I don't know if he'd go defensive, but I, th- I think he will look to make sure we're not leaky at the back, whereas I don't know if Lee Johnson know how, how to do that. It's a weird one because it's like we, we kind of always wanted to be that form team going into the playoffs, which we never have been previously in League One, and now we are. But I can't tell you we've been like scintillating, if that makes sense. We've just been yeah. doing a job, tight at Get, the back. Getting the job done kind of thing. Yeah, and, and I think what's been massive, which we'll probably come on to, is Nathan Broadhead coming back from, from fitness. Um, Stewart hasn't been as on form pretty much since the Chef Web game, if I'm honest. Um, he does a lot more than score, don't get me wrong, but Nathan Broadhead coming back um, has really helped. I think he's got about 13 and 22 over the season. I think about six of them have come in the past couple of months. He, I think, might be injured for Friday, which is a bit of a... Yeah, uh, I've got... I have got that a little bit, a little bit late. I mean, just sticking on form at the moment. I mean, I've looked at your recent results, and you seem to have struggled against some of the sides at the at the top. You know, um, defeat to MK Dons, which was your last last defeat, fourteen games ago. Um, draws with Rotherham and Plymouth as well. Does that concern you that, that the teams at the top you are struggling to beat? I mean, you have beat Wigan, of of course, as as well. Yeah, it's weird. We've beat Wigan three times this season: two one, two nil, and three nil. Couldn't tell you why. I would have much, been much more confident if we were playing Wigan in the playoffs. 
Um, I'm sure Wigan fans will laugh at that if they're listening, but um, Rotherham we've really struggled against, and I think that's because physically they're just stronger than us. Um, it's no secret that Lee Johnson believed in youth and our recruitment model went for a lot of youth. We've got a lot of young boys in the team that came in in the summer and Rotherham are just a wily team. They just know how to kind of drop the elbows in on someone and be just a bit stronger. And we haven't coped with it. We lost 5-1 away from home um, and we drew 1-1. Suppose you could say it was similar in performance, kind of, in the sense that they were just stronger than us, but we still got a result. But I don't know how much of that was us because it was a I don't know if anyone's seen it but it was a fantastic on goal from Rotherham he bulleted a header in from like <laughs> 15 yards out and I'm just like what have you done that for um, quality, and he gave it the old um, looking across the line I think it was offside as well which I think that was just comical really I think it was uh, clutching at straws I think that one but <laughs> yeah. it worries me a little bit but then Sunderland are kind of hard to predict really because at the start of the season we beat Wickham we beat MK Dons and you think and hang on we're beating the teams around us here um, towards Christmas, I was like, and, and I know at the time you weren't probably in the form that you are now, but Chef Wed are still Chef Wed. And I was like, we've just absolutely hammered them five now. We might actually be onto something here. And then we go and get beat 6 0 at Bolton. Uh, and it's, but that was very much something other than the Johnson. I think, I think Alex Neal sets his teams up to combat the other team sometimes. And I think that was. Two is, I don't think it was the right thing to do against Rotherham. I think he went too physical when we maybe should have been a mix of making sure we weren't going to get overrode, but also playing our own game. Um, yeah, that's, that's been a, a criticism of, of Darren Moore at times as well. W- the Wickham game comes to mind, you know. You know I'm, I'm sure you've played Wickham twice already <laughs> this season, you know. Don't you, know ask me about all, them. you know what they're all about. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, we've had the same, we've had the same comments really. Let, let's, um, Obviously, talk about expectations. Really, you, you know, in terms of the season, obviously, you finished fifth in the league. What, what were your expectations at the start of the season? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it must have been automatics. I guess it always is with Sunderland at, at this level, and um, I suppose at the start of the season, it felt a lot more positive. Yeah, don't get me wrong; when we got beat off Lincoln last season in the playoffs, it was like, oh god, how long are we going to be here? Um, that's crept in a little bit again because it's playoffs, but we played really well at the start of the season. I think up until Charlton, we hadn't really lost many games, got beat unlucky off Burton towards the start of the season. And then we had that little run, which culminated in getting beat off Chef Wed 3-0. Then we got back on form. Then we went off form again. And, and basically under Johnson, it was a little bit too streaky to maintain an automatic promotion spot. But on our day under Johnson, yeah, we were, in my opinion, one of the two best sides in the league. I think... Alex Neal's remit when he came in, we were bang out of form. It was awful, like really awful, getting beat off Cheltenham, Doncaster at home. It wasn't good. His remit was getting to the playoffs and get us in some sort of form, um, to, to which he has done. But I think the expectation at the start of the season is always promotion in some way or another. So I think a lot will will hinder on whether we match those expectations, whether we beat you twice and then get a Wembley and win. But I think... I think Promotion, it's gone from automatic straight away in the first couple of seasons to then we're like, well, if we can just sneak through the playoffs, then it's like, we'll get in the playoffs and see what happens. Um, the longer you're down here, the more you feel like a League One club, which sounds ridiculous because I, I know there's fans. Yeah, you'll get it because obviously you're down here, but I think a lot of fans from other clubs go, well, of course you're League One. But I grew up 
there's 100 years of Sunderland's history where we've predominantly been in the top two divisions. Historically, we we don't belong here, and I, I don't feel like we do. Um, yeah, club so of the size and the and the fan yeah. base and and all the things like that. You know, yeah, it does it when you when you look at some of the le- uh, some of the uh, teams in this division. You know, your likes of your AFC Wimbledon and your Morecambe and Cheltenham and, and teams like that, Cambridge, for example. Yeah, it, it's it is a bit like joke and cheese, isn't it? When you when you look at that, but yeah, you are right. Well, we are down here for a for a reason, really. But uh, you, you've referenced the, the two previous meetings already: the the three nil uh, win for us at Hillsborough, and then obviously the five nil at Stadium of Light. I mean, can you can you take much from those games? Obviously, you've got a new manager now. Uh, I mean, and since then, I think. We're a totally different beast because since obviously you know we played you both before the the turn of the new year. So and, and since then we we have gone on a pretty incredible run. Uh, I mean, one thing I would say that the three 0 win at Hillsborough for me it felt like we were just a bit more physical. We actually I know I've referenced that we've um, changed you know it has changed his style of play, but I think that was a game where it worked. With you know we were getting to the second balls etc. And then the five 0 at Stadium of Light for me. It came at the, like the the COVID period. I think we'd not played for something like three weeks or something ridiculous, and uh, and I think some of the players were still recovering from COVID. So even though you played really well that day, I think there was a case of that you know we weren't quite you know full fitness, if you know what I mean. But what what can you take from those from those two going into the obviously the playoffs? I think the first one, um, it's hard to take anything from it because Lee Johnson is very different to Alex Neal, which I've kind of alluded to, and I mean that. Not just in personality, I think also on the pitch um, and the way that he sets his teams up. But I think the first game, I agree with you on that. I thought you were just a bit more physical than us. Uh, I think obviously Corby Arnu left and went to MK Dons um, from loan, but I remember him kind of torturing us for a while. And I remember looking at, at your team that night and thinking, oh, these haven't got much about them. No offense. It was more like yeah. these are just physically stronger than us, if I remember rightly. Because I remember. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You scored, I think, early doors and then we kind of put a few nice passages of play together and looked like, oh, you know, we might get back into it. And then you just kind of bullied us and got second and that was like, well, that's it. It just looked like some of your players were getting frustrated. I mean, obviously when you sat in the stands, like someone I always look out for, you know, the whole throwing your hands up in the air and stuff. And you can see when players, you know, things aren't coming off quite quite right. And mm-hmm. I, I always think once that starts starts happening, it's a bit of a, a slippery slope, you know, when, when players start arguing with each other and what have you. And it did feel a little bit like that, that, you know, you did have a bit of the ball, quite a bit of the ball, but you just didn't kind of do anything with it. But, you know, like I said, it's... Uh, a different manager, what have you? But I mean, do you take anything from the fact that you know you've beaten us at your place? And obviously, we've beaten you know you at ours. It's going to be, you know, it's it's not going to be a, exactly a walkover, but it's it's not exactly going to be it's going to be a difficult one, isn't it? I think if if you'd give me those games as an aggregate score right now, so we didn't have to play the playoffs, <laughs> I'd take it no bother. But um, the Sheffield home game was funny because obviously I, we drove down that night. Because um, as I said before, we live in Scotland, so we kind of drove down and came back the night, and it was just one of those nights where you're like, everything's gone perfect here. I remember thinking you were probably the better side for the first ten minutes. 10, <laughs> you know minutes. what? It's, it's funny actually because I thought exactly the same, but it kind of all fell apart after that. 
I remember specifically, and you can tell me correctly here, but the boy Dunkley went off injured. He did. It, it, to be fair, he wasn't fit enough. He shouldn't have played. I think, it, like I said, it was a case of the, the COVID and what have you. And um, I think people, it was never announced who had got it and who hadn't. Um, but I think some of those people that played it was had had it and were recovering and not, had not trained for however long. And you, you certainly saw that. Because I think, if I remember rightly, you'd not missed the game. You'd played all the way through that period as well. And and that showed, yeah. and, you know, it, it really did, especially in the second half where it was all, it was almost like men versus boys, to be perfectly honest. If I remember right, we scored like the third just on half time as well, I think. So it was kind of like when you threw up at half time, you kind of damage limitation from your side. And also it's like, let's see how many we can get without kind of overexerting ourselves and scoring more. I think that was kind of a, a period just after that kind of is partly one of the reasons that killed us because we beat you 5-0 and I don't think we won for about six. You can see there's almost a month after that game where uh, Lee Johnson got sacked and we had a couple of COVID cases after that. So maybe, maybe the chef place passed it on. I knew this was coming at the end. Um, I think we, we had a few players that were out because of COVID. I think it was about five. Not all of them first, like two of them were goalkeepers, but enough to postpone the game. And we made a big statement to say that, you know, we believe we can get through the games and so on and so forth. And those games, actually, when you're looking back, if we just won two of them, one of them we conceded in the 90th minute against Wickham, if we just won two of them, we would have been up automatically. Um, so there is a question mark on, should we have played those games? I think at the time I said, yeah, let's play them, idiot. Um, yeah. But Should have, would have, could have. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's no point in going back over things. It's, it is what it is. And we've, we've got to play Chef Wed twice and beat Chef Wed at least once and hope we don't get beat the second time. Um, I think it'd be hard to take something from the game. I'd love to say that the 5-0 was, you know, um, something that I can see happening again. And I also would be worried if I could see the 3-0 happening again. I think from a Sunderland perspective, I'd feel a lot more confident if we get at least two goals on you um, on Friday. There's a little bit of positive feeling for me with that because you score a lot, but you concede a lot, but we're very good defensively. I think away from home and at home at the minute, we're in better form on paper, but football's not ever played on paper, is it? Um, so you can take some things from it, but I think because it's been a good five, six months since the last game and the other game was even longer before, it's probably quite difficult. I think you're a different beast to the one we faced and I think we're a different beast to the one you faced as well. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. Uh, I just want to talk yeah. about some of the players to watch. Uh, you already referenced them again earlier on. Uh, Ross Stewart is obviously the you know the obvious one with him being your leading goal scorer, uh, obviously narrowly missing out on the golden boot as well for the League One. Um, 24 goals, which is over a goal every other game. Uh, but he has only scored two in your last 10. Uh, but obviously still a, a key player for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he got here of the year and, and deservedly so. I think Roscoe, for me, like I, I love him because he brings a lot more than, than goal scoring, but I'll be lying if I said, and he would probably agree, I think when a striker doesn't score goals and he scored that many halfway point, you can see the frustration came into him a little bit. And I think, you know, three of his last four goals have been penalties, two at Wigan, and then he got one against Cambridge. Um, he did get a goal from open play against Cambridge, which was a beauty, if I'm honest. He took it so well. It was like a, a player that had scored a hat-trick in his last game. It was total confidence. So I still have a lot of confidence in Roscoe. There's a little bit of a worry for me, if I'm honest. I have no inside info that his head may have been turned. That does happen. There's also the argument that he's played 50 games this season. He's maybe just knackered. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
I feel bad saying this because he might not play. Um, but for me, Nathan Broadhead's the main the main man at the minute. He's almost free scoring, scored again on Saturday. But the problem with Broadhead is, and, and probably another reason Sunderland haven't gotten automatic promotion spots, is he's had three lengthy injuries this season and another one came potentially on Saturday. Yeah, well, looking at his, uh, his form, Nathan Broadhead, he's on loan from Everton. Uh, five goals in his last eight games, obviously including the winner at Morecambe. Um, before that, obviously, he had an injury, but he had five goals in four in December as well. So, like you said there, you know, he's got 12 goals for the season. Yeah, he does look like, from what I've seen in the news and what have you, it does look like he's a he's a major doubt for this yeah. weekend, which, like I said, it's, it's bad on your account, but it's obviously good for us, yeah. Great for you, I think. Um, I'd, I'd feel a lot more confident if Broadhead was, was playing, I think. Unfortunately, I was at the first injury that he had that kept him out for almost four months was against Arsenal. I was down there. I think a few people might have saw that game. We got beat 5-1, but played really well. Um, but we, we kind of lost a lot when Broadhead went off and it was like he pulled up hamstring injury. You could see his hand was on his head. Apparently, it's a muscle injury he's got from Saturday, but like you could see as soon as he went down, it was like he had his head in his hands and you were like, oh, why are you made of glass? Um, but yeah, I think, unfortunately... And also, fortunately for us, if Nathan Broadhead was someone who was fit on a constant basis, there's no way he'd be in League One. He'd be the championship, probably. And I think he still might, depending on if Everton get there or not. But um, hopefully they don't like Everton. But aside from that, you've, you know, there's a lot of quality in the team. Um, Just for another one I've picked out, Dan Neal. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, 20-year-old, three goals, seven assists, and which is even more surprising because he, you know, he plays that defensive midfield role as well. So to get those numbers is is quite rare. Um, obviously, he's come through the ranks at Sunderland. Obviously, certainly got a big future ahead of him. Not you know, and obviously he's, he's someone that's played a big part in this season as well, hasn't he? I mean, I love him. Um, he's he's from kind of uh, heaven, which is very very close to Sunderland, very, very close to where I'm born. Literally, a, a metro stop away. Since Alex Niels came in, he hasn't really played him, um, which has been a bit. Of a weird one, if I'm honest. I'm sure he'll say, look, I've got results and I'd say, yeah, fair enough, mate. But there is a bit of a concern with that because I think last week he was linked to Palace, Spurs and I want to say Burnley or potentially Aston Villa. Someone who wears claret, that's been a higher (laughs) league than us. Um, And I could understand him going. I I could see that because he's got this kind of... Do you know when you see a player in the... Barry Bannon's one of them. You see a player that is just one or two steps ahead of everyone else in this league and mm. no offence to the rest of the players in this league. They, they see things, they, they, yeah, they see things that other players can't and they play a pass that 100%. nobody else is kind of expecting kind of thing, yeah. 100%. Um, but he's kind of he's kind of gone more with Corey Evans, which was, I wouldn't even say he was a Marmite player for a long time. He was pretty much a player most Sunderland fans didn't rate, um, including myself. And then we dropped him for a game against Shrewsbury and all of a sudden we had nothing sitting in the back and we were like, oh God, Corey Evans is actually quite good. Um, so Corey Evans is on good form and the boy next to him, a guy who got promoted from the playoffs last season, Elliot Embleton, on loan at Blackpool last season, got promoted out of the playoffs when he was a Sunderland player and was on loan at Blackpool. He has always had this ability to, uh, he's always had a lot of promise. He's been in England under 16, 17, 18, 19. And you think, well, when's he going to start showing it? He's starting to show it. He's got seven goals and eight assists, I think. Can play with both feet. And Alex Neal's kind of put him in place of Dan Neal and put him further further deep. I mean, Embo was predominantly a number 10. 
Um, Pritchard goes into number 10 now. Pritchard, far too good for this league. Great player. Um, just injuries have landed him in this league. Um, Embleton's the one that sat deep, sort of alongside Evans. Evans is your water carrier. Embleton's kind of sat just next to him, but his range of passing, it's kind of worked. So as much as I love Daniel, we kind of haven't missed him, but it wouldn't surprise me if Daniel came off the bench in the playoffs or played in the playoffs after this big, long rest he's had and just sort of blew up, basically, because he, he has had a really good season. I think Alex Neal just thought he was probably a bit knackered. We've got a lot of young players who are playing their first season, and I think you could probably include him in that as well. Yeah. Now, before we uh, nail you down to a score prediction, uh, what's your thoughts on on us then? Uh, you, you have you know, mentioned just a little bit already, but what, what, what's your thoughts on us this season? Have you been keeping a, a close eye on us, uh, especially in the, in the recent weeks? Yeah, I sat and watched the... Um... MK, MK Dons, Dons game. game. And I was <laughs> what a like, goal, by the way. <laughs> Cheers, MK Dons. Thanks very much. Because um, we kind of ideally, I mean, I've got to be honest, I'll, I'll be straight up with you. And obviously, my mind's changed since then. But um, when I watched it, I said to my fiance, I went, oh, God, I hope we don't get them in the playoffs. Because <laughs> I just feel like what, what, I had a couple of thoughts behind it. Chef Weather, obviously massive. You're going to pack out Hillsborough. You're going to bring as many as you can um, to the stadium of light. It's going to be good atmosphere in both games. Um, my worry is, I feel like we could beat Wickham. I feel like we could beat MK Dons. The reason being, we've done that, and you could say, "Well, why do you feel you, you know, you wouldn't beat Chef Weather?" I don't feel like we can't. But Barry Bannon is a really, really good player, and there's a lot of quality in there and players that can change a game for me. You've got that slightly physical aspect that I think we struggle with a little bit, and I would much prefer. My biggest reason, which might sound daft because it's got nothing to do with being on the pitch. Anyone at the stadium, like we, we, we take, I think we've got 35,000 at the minute. I reckon it might sell out. I think it'll go over 40. Um, so we're going to have the stadium like packed, no matter who we play. That That's fine. I'm, I'm not concerned about that. But if we played, say, MK Dons or Wickham, especially MK Dons, they're not going to have as many home fans as A, we would. They probably wouldn't have as many away fans as we could take Chef Wed away from home you could roll your team on if we don't get a really good result on um friday so you would have been the team i would have preferred not to play i would fancy us a lot more in a one-off hmm. i don't know if i fancy us over two games because i think when i've watched you yes you've got frailties 100 percent, but you've also got genuine quality in there and players that probably landed in this division because you got deducted points last season and just ended up staying. Um, I know he doesn't play very often, but Callum Patterson's historically played at a higher level. You look at your bench, Josh Windass. There's players that have played at a higher level in League One on your bench, which is similar to what's in the first season. And I know we duffed at the first season, but that's something. Um, I just think there's a bit of quality in there. I would have preferred, much preferred to play the other two teams in the semis and get you in the final. Yeah, I'm just on. just just on that one, just a bit off topic, but have you seen the uh, MK Don's allowance that they've given Wickham, by the way? They've given them both corners. Have they actually? <laughs> they have, yeah. 700 in one and uh, 1,300 in the other, which I think's like, <laughs> a bit strange, but I've 
that's that's what they're doing. So I don't know what the uh, what the thought process behind that one is, but they've they've split the away fans up. But uh, but yeah, you know, we've we're, we're going into it in in good form. Lee Gregory's yeah. got eight goals in in his last eight. Obviously, hat trick helps that. Uh, the one that he scored against Fleetwood, uh, you know, Barry Bannon scoring goals. We've got goals coming from everywhere as well. Twenty different goal scorers this season. So, uh, so yeah, it's not just a case of you know marking one player out of the game and and that's it. You know, uh, they've got we have got other options elsewhere. But one one thing's for, for sure anyway. It's certainly going to be a a nerve wracking game. It's not going to be a, a walkover. And but, and it's two teams that like to play football as well, which is which is good. Um, obviously helps us we, we do come a bit stuck when we come up against teams that you know historically don't like to play football and time waste and, and what have you so that at least uh at least it's going to be two two decent games of football i've said it now that's probably cursed it. it's probably going to be the most two boring nil nils you've ever you've ever seen but go on uh, graham um score prediction then uh what do you for, for both legs how do you see it panning out our back us so chef red fans listening i've got our back us all right um of course I think at home, you know what? I'm actually excited for it, and there's not many games at League One level when I've been excited. I've got to be honest with that. It's just it's it's hard sometimes, and that may make me a bad fan. I don't really care. Um, it's hard to get excited about Team X, Y, and Z. But Chef Wed Friday night uh, under the lights, I think will be over forty thousand there. Yeah, I think we can take the first leg. I think we'll take the first leg three one. Okay. In regards to the second leg, I'll say we'll get beat 1-0 and we'll go through on one goal. Is the away goals in this, by the way? No, I, I don't think so, no. Oh, thank God. 3-2. Um, if, if there's away goals that get included, we'll win 5-0 at Chef Wed and you'll beat us 3-0 on Friday night and it'll just be a reverse of the, of the league games. But Yeah. Um, the- I, the, the way I, the way I see it is from our point of view. Obviously, I don't want us to go to not lose against Sunderland at home. Well, at, at Stadium Light, sorry, but I just hope, well, that we don't lose the game in terms of you know if we if we do go two goals down or something like that, then it's going to be difficult to to get that back. Obviously, I don't want them just just to defend because we're awful at doing that. You know, we we end up conceding goals. Um, but yeah, I think if we take a draw in the the stadium were like that wouldn't be a disaster um, no. even a even a goal deficit wouldn't exactly be the end of the world um you said like you know if it is a two goal um advantage that you have saying that it, it's probably a difficult um lead to take into the second leg just because you kind of it's almost like you know you don't know what dangerous to score. yeah because you, you, you don't know what to do do you especially if, if you're leading 2-0 at, at Hillsborough all it takes is one early goal. The place will be absolutely rocking, and and it's it's a bit of a damage limitation for for the team that's uh, that's winning. But you know we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Graham, um, where can we find you on the socials, uh, and what's your your podcast again, mate? Oh, I wish I wasn't on Twitter, but you've got to be these days, haven't you? Um, <laughs> so obviously mine is um, just at Graham Falk, which is just my usual ranting side of things um, but the podcast itself is just at what the folk pod folk spell F-A-L-K Fantastic, uh, Graham. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, we do really appreciate. Obviously, all the best for uh, for Friday and Monday. Hopefully, hopefully you don't enjoy it uh, too much. If you have enjoyed the podcast, then uh, make sure you uh, give us a rating or a review. We do really appreciate it. Thank you very much. A 
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.